Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. This episode is our first time talking about highly sensitive people. And in functional medicine, I've looked at sensory processing disorder a lot. And that is something we work with children with pretty frequently. And we make referrals to occupational therapy. Uh, But I haven't looked at highly sensitive people as a personality trait. And so this was a really fun episode for me to dive into a new topic. So if you guys are really well-versed in this area, uh, hopefully I didn't use any wrong terminology or offend anyone. This is a very new space for me, and I thoroughly enjoyed learning more. But this episode is with Rachel Dornia New, and she's an individual and premarital couples psychotherapist. And she works with people ages 16 and up, and her specialties are really wide range from anxiety to boundaries, highly sensitive people, obviously, what we're talking about today, perfectionism, premarital counseling, and sex therapy. And she actually does online sessions for people in Georgia, South Carolina, and and Florida. And she does outdoor walk and talks when it's nice. And if you live in coming, which I think is a great way to provide therapy. But that is one of her goals is to make therapy convenient and really easy to fit into your busy life. So I'm going to put in the show notes, the link to her practice called Sage Counseling and Wellness. I'm also going to put a link to schedule a free 15 minute therapy consultation with her. And then I'm going to finally put in some resources that we discussed, some books that might be really helpful. If after this talk, you're like, I am absolutely a highly sensitive person and you want to explore more. And I'm also going to put a link for a questionnaire that Rachel shared with me that is free and it's quick and it's just a few statements of whether you identify um, with the statement or not. And so we can start having this dialogue of if you are a highly sensitive person and what that looks like and hopefully help uncover some of the strategies that will work for you to really have the um, be the best version of yourself because that's what this is all about on the Little By Podcast is helping you learn more about yourself and making small, simple changes over time that make a big difference in our life. So I hope you enjoy this episode and we're going to kick right off. I'm super excited for this episode because we have never talked about HSPs or highly sensitive people. And so I was telling Rachel before we hopped on here that this is going to be like a learning experience for me. So I'm going to have so many questions coming at this from someone that is probably the opposite of an HSP and might have some kids that are HSPs. Mm -hmm. So I'm very interested in this topic and I'm certain that a lot of our listeners are going to really resonate. So I wanted to first hear like, How would you describe or how would you classify, diagnose, whatever term you would use Mm -hmm. for an HSP or a highly sensitive person? Sure. So it really, it what's fun is it depends on the person. So there may be somebody that's really having trouble with uh, maybe sound. Like I know for me, sound is just skyrockets me, really throws off my nervous system. I feel rattled, frazzled. Uh, So if it's like a loud noise, uh, maybe it's a car alarm or a smoke detector, 
because like it's, it's wild. I'll be maybe having a session and I'll hear the smoke detector do that little beep, beep. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this is making my skin crawl. So that can be a thing for sound or it could be itchy fabrics. It could be um, interacting with hot, cold smells, maybe going to a perfume store really just kicks your butt welcome. Um, but it could also be just any other senses, honestly, of interacting with people, interacting with certain stimuli. It it truly depends. And also what I've noticed, at least personally, is that it may change over time. So when you're a kiddo, maybe something affected you like a tad, but as you get older, you're extra sensitive. It just more <laughs> grows and grows and grows. And so I've noticed that sounds just really get throw me off that much quicker. So do you use like highly sensitive people and sensory processing issues simultaneously or are these two totally different things? Because it sounds like the HSP is not, it's not just the emotional side. It's also the senses. Mm -hmm. It's the, you know, even like skin textures and things. Right. So the way that uh, I work with it is that HSP is more of a personality trait. And then there's the sensory processing of where that's a, a different venue that I don't really work with. So that's when I would make a referral. Um, so anybody that happens to work with that, let me know, reach out. I would love to have more referrals for that because there are similarities, but there is that that difference. And so with HSP, it's a personality trait. It's something that is just you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it affects about 20% of the world. So we're like an extra you know, special group. And then it affects men and women equally, which is so cool. That is because I feel like so many things are like 75% Mm -hmm. of women deal with it. Mm -hmm. So that is, that is very interesting. So is there a certain emotion that people will feel like is anxiety more Mm -hmm. common in an HSP is depression is, is there a certain emotion that people feel? Cause I knew you were like, my skin's crawling. Yeah. It again, depends on the person, but, um, I guess if you're more likely to be anxious, you will have that heightened. So like if we're talking about um, the window of tolerance, have you guys covered window of tolerance before? No, not on here. Ooh, lovely. Okay. Maybe we have a little bit from like a stress, like referring to a bucket, but you dive in. Yeah, gladly. Okay. So window of tolerance. I'm a visual person, so I'm going to try really hard to auditorily describe this. Uh, So window of tolerance is basically like if you can imagine a cute little window, that is where you are open, engaged, curious, willing to be communicative, you're in a good headspace. It's your norm, quote unquote. And then there's hyper arousal, which is outside the window. It's above. And that's when you could be uh, irritable, anxious, fight or flight kind of responses. And then there's hypo arousal, which is below the window of tolerance. And that's when you might feel withdrawn and isolated, maybe feeling a little depressed. Uh, And that's more of the freeze response. And so when when all that's going on, it depends on you. If your nervous system is going to just skyrocket you up into hyperarousal stratosphere, you're going to feel more anxious about it when you're overstimulated. If you're more of maybe the the depressive freeze response, it could also be based on some trauma stuff too, right? That you may be more isolated and withdrawn and just go shut yourself in your room and just need to curl up in a ball kind of thing. So it can really present itself depending on what's going on in life, mm-hmm. what kind of stimulation they're under right. in a wide range mm-hmm. of symptoms. So does right. that make it really tough for a person to identify as a highly sensitive person or for a counselor, a therapist, a psychiatrist? Because is this a true ICD-10 diagnosis Mm-mm. or this is just 
a, because what got you into this and like, how did this terminology come about? Yeah. So I don't quote me, but I believe Dr. Elaine Aaron, I want to say in the eighties ish really coined the the term. And then from there, um, I didn't learn about it until summer of 2020 when I was isolated and struggling at home in a two bedroom apartment. And I was like, what's wrong with me? So I was just doing some like Google search and I found it. I was like, my people, yes, these (laughs) are my people. And so I would just consumed all the knowledge, took all the tests, all the certifications, (laughs) just went hog wild. Uh, But it's been so helpful to, to understand more about myself and be able to therefore help clients that have it as well. Because a lot of people that are in therapy are HSPs as well, whether yes. they, they know it or not. Yes. Well, I can even think about certain things because I would not classify myself as an HSP, but I have had periods where I'm under more stress mm-hmm. that things will irritate me more. You know, the person chewing in your ear ooh, and yeah. you're like, ooh, that like all I can pay attention to is that sound and mm-hmm. skin crawling. So right. I never thought of it in that type space. But mm-hmm. so I wonder if you could almost argue that everybody can probably get into a state of of oh, yeah. symptoms of an HSP, depending oh, yeah. on, I'm, I'm wondering if part of it is the self-care aspect of like, mm. how much downtime are we having? How much restoration, mm-hmm. relaxation? Because you would imagine anybody's bucket at some point is going to tip. Oh, yeah. Depending on the stimulation in their life. And I'm sure this is on such a rise because of social media mm-hmm. and watches that alert us and cell phones and our computers that now connect to our phones and our <laughs> iPads, right? Like constantly overstimulated. Overstimulation everywhere. Right. So do you feel like there's a lot of people that aren't diagnosed with this? Like that statistic mm-hmm. you shared earlier is probably much higher if oh, we yeah. put it on. We believe in this like spectrum, right? Like you mm-hmm. have the, okay, you are far right. You are a true HSP. Right. And then we have everything. So we look at that with like PCOS, right? Mm-hmm. You've got like the classic PCOS. They check every single box, but you have the people that are on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay, we're not over here, but let's start evaluating and build tools that are going to help prevent us from Absolutely. getting over here. Absolutely. So I'm interested in the HSP space. Like what are some of the tools you use in practice? Like mm-hmm. what does a session look like? Yeah. Kind of walk us through that. Sure. So uh, the way that I will typically start is just probably after the intake session with some mind therapies, be like, hey, for funsies, let's just take this cute little quiz. Um, I'll send you the link for it if you want to include it in the show notes. It's a free HSP quiz. You can take it for yourself or for your kiddo. So that could be helpful. Uh, But you're able to take this little quiz, maybe 30 statements, and you figure out what your score is as an HSP. And it's been fun to see the clients that are like, oh, well, I'm not an HSP. And I'm like, Oh, but you are. Yes. <laughs> Do they have a hard time like identifying with that or? Yeah, it, it depends. So once they take the quiz and they see it, they're like, oh, this makes that's sense. all me. Got it. I went off the charts on my score. And then there's the people that are like maybe the, the mid range of there's maybe a few things that stick out of where I can see I could be sensitive to, especially if I'm overstimulated or burned out, like you talked about. Just depends. I'd rather them know about HSP because there's 20% of the world that deals with it. So you're bound to either have it or know someone that does. So what do you, once you kind of do this quiz and you're like, okay, we now can have an open conversation Mm -hmm. about highly sensitive people because we have some data to also pull to, uh, which I'm very data driven, whether Mm -hmm. it's objective questionnaires or not, it's, it's really fun to be able to put a number on it Mm -hmm. or kind of self-reflect by something that's been researched. Uh, So you find out someone is an HSP Mm -hmm. and we know that they can become overstimulated easily. What are some tools that Mm -hmm. they could kind of take away from with sessions with you to help prevent them from 
maybe having their skin crawling Mm -hmm. or experiencing anxiety, the irritability, the burnout. And I want to segue into, because we talked prior to getting on here about the connection with perfectionism too. So share a little bit about like the HSP and the treatment or, you know, I don't want to use the word treatment, but Mm -hmm. the lifestyle integration pieces to help them become the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. So some of the tools and things that I would think of is just slowing down and having some mindfulness of noticing your thoughts, your emotions, your behaviors, reactions to certain things, especially any triggers or stressors, just gain that knowledge first and notice any patterns. Are you more likely dealing with it uh, during the day, the morning, the evening, around kiddos, whatever it might be. Um, So that's helpful first. And then from there, I will, depending on what the person's most stressed about, maybe it's... uh, feeling overworked and exhausted and running around with their head cut off. Yes. Welcome to the club. Um, Is we will break down hour by hour their routine. What is causing the stress? What's causing the triggers? How can we minimize that? Not to where we're going to be a delicate, sensitive flower, because I know our society is not a fan of that, but just to gain awareness and figure out what are some tweaks I can do to take care of myself? Do I need to make sure that I tap out of a meeting after 50 minutes? Do I need to make sure I have more space between my meetings? What is that going to look like? So that's really helpful is figuring out their routine. We come up with a self-care plan. What are the things that are going to actually help you? Remember, we talked about the window of tolerance, that if you're stuck in hyperarousal, how do we come down back into that window of tolerance? How do we calm? Is that yoga? Is that breathing? Is it meditation? And if you're in hypo arousal, how do you pull yourself out of that slump, out of that isolation back into the window? So is that going to be going for a run? Is that doing some, uh, I I just finished my, um, one of my weekends of yoga teacher training. So I'm having so much fun with that. So we did uh, pradyamas, which is breathing. And so is there a different kind of breathing that would be helpful to help, you know, jumpstart your day? What was going to help to pull you out of that window? So those are some of the tools I can think of, but you mentioned the perfectionism as well, that unfortunately, when you're highly sensitive, you, you're you so in tune with your surroundings, with people, with your entire environment, and that you need to find a way to have calm. And what people typically do is they try and find control in their life, therefore perfecting certain things in their life that will bring them calm. So maybe the perfectionism is with academics when they were in school. They made sure they had all straight A's so their parents wouldn't yell at them. Or they did really well on the soccer team so that they wouldn't cause their parents financial stress and they got into college. Or maybe it's in the parenting space of if I do everything just right and I watch all the social media things on because <laughs> I know my feed is inundated with it, <laughs> uh, of this OT said to do this, this speech therapy said to do this, and perfecting all the things. If I do that, then my child will be quote unquote perfect, or we will seem to be really great in our community and have a great face. And so it was, unfortunately, it was a way to cope. And so the thing that I try and tell clients is slow down. Be aware that the things that you did with perfectionism, with anxiety, with whatever it might be, is that it served you well for a time. And that's fantastic. I'm glad that your body was able to handle something and you figured it out. But currently, that's not helping you anymore. Mm -hmm. So let's find a healthier, calmer way to move forward. And this is what I talk about a lot in functional medicine is taking the time to just pay attention to how you feel, mm-hmm. you know, because exactly to your point is like you used to be able to do, you know, a boot camp style class five days a week. Right. 
And now you need more restorative, you know, mm-hmm. you need to prioritize a massage and acupuncture or going for a walk instead. Right. And I think that we always compare to previous seasons of life mm-hmm. and even against ourselves, even if it's not on social media, right. right? Like I know for me, I, I don't share often, but I used to run marathons and I used mm-hmm. to be, you know, really hyper into working out for an hour a day and, mm-hmm. you know, and then I had two kids and I opened a business and it just like, you can't, right. right? How in the world could I do that? Not possible. And there was a period of time where I was trying to fit in what I used to be able to fit in in my current time. And oh wow, you have to like realize exactly to your point that there is seasons. I think for me though, I, I'm so thankful that there's people like you that exist in this mm-hmm. space because shifting mindset is one of the hardest things that I find. Mm-hmm. And so I can work on your nutrients and I can work on your gut microbiome and I can work on your hormones. Right. But like we have to change the mindset Mm -hmm. and the belief system. And I would argue that that is the hardest thing to do, Um, especially because we've lived with ourselves in our mind our entire life. And we've had thought patterns our entire life. Mm -hmm. So now you want me to change them. You don't want me to be a perfectionist. You want me to be okay with being a B-plus student. And that's really freaking hard. It is. (laughs) And that is why I am thankful for you, Rachel, because I am like, (laughs) I am not the one to fix this today. Nope. But here is what we can do, you know? Exactly. So... Because that we know that true healing does not happen until the mindset shifts. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we're super excited about is uh, Kyle. I don't do you know Kyle? Mm-mm. He's one of our functional medicine providers here that has his cool. um, integrative mental health psychiatry degree. Well done, and he is incredibly passionate about the nervous system and the vagal nerve. Oh, beautiful. And so we're starting to bring in some devices that are right. research based to calm that response in our okay. nervous system. Yeah. Because I think that's highly integrated with the HSP. Mm-hmm. It's all goes back. I would argue so many of these things go back to the nervous system. Oh, agreed. So, uh, but I love this. Like you, you meet with them. It's an individualized approach. You're not telling the same person everything no. because of course everybody's life looks different. Exactly. And you take time to understand like, what does your schedule look like? And when do you feel that way? And what are some behaviors we can do to mm-hmm. be proactive? Absolutely. In that sensory overload where you don't get into that state. Oh, for sure. Do you find that more people are above that window in the hyperarousal or are you seeing more people that are in the hypo or would you say it's... Mm. No, that's tough. I, lately in this season of of life and definitely post-COVID, I've seen way more hyperarousal. Um, I mean, it's something that I could talk about the window of tolerance all day. But the thing that's interesting is that if you have chronic stressors, if you have maybe a, a new diagnosis, you have a blended family, you have a new baby, whatever it might be, your window of tolerance is that much smaller. So even if you normally would have a balanced nervous system response, now you don't. Yes. So being kind to yourself is really helpful. But back to your point of the hyperarousal, so many people are having that because I work with the high achievers, the perfectionist, the people pleasers, all of that, that there's so much tied into that. And that's so much anxiety driven that I mainly, this is just me personally as a therapist, that I see more of the anxious piece, but I have no doubt that there's some HSP therapists that see more of the hypoarousal as well. Yes. Yes. So, cause you identify as an HSP. Very that, much so. So how do you structure, cause you work with clients mm-hmm. and I always talk about client facing jobs can be incredibly difficult because yes. you have to be engaged. <laughs> you never know what's going to walk in the room. Mm-hmm. You have to put that person in front of you right. first and, you know, they might come with a whole lot of stressors. And I'm sure you mm-hmm. see a lot of that too. How do you structure your day? Like, are you comfortable sharing yeah. some of the tools that you've implemented? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the thing that I have been finding really helpful is you mentioned going to the gym. 
if I don't go to the gym, I immediately, as soon as I wake up, notice that something's off, that I am extra stimulated, that I'm extra cranky, irritable. I don't have half as much patience. So for me, going to the gym before I even start seeing clients is helpful. I also do about a 10-minute meditation in a sauna. It is so happy. (laughs) And it's also like a little cat nap because my son is just not sleeping well lately. So the meditation to calm my mind, be like, okay, I'm going to do the best I can. Having some affirmations in there, mantras, that's super helpful. And then from there, uh, I make sure that I have a max, maybe three or four clients a day. And the reason for those of you that are not in the therapy world, that's like, dang, what a nice life. You only have three or four clients a day. Yeah, it sounds nice. But keep in mind, as an HSP, as somebody that really personalizes therapy, that really invests a lot in clients and giving homework and giving resources after each session, that's a lot of work. It is. And so for me, I'll make sure I have maybe three or four max a day. Uh, I space it out so that I've got time, maybe like two in the morning, a really solid lunch break to snuggle my son or take a nap or whatever it might be. And then a couple more in the afternoon and evening and make sure that I have a solid amount of time to do notes and documentation in the end and actually have time for family. Because if I don't have that, I'm going to feel depleted in one area of my life and that's not worth it. Yes. Yes. I think that, I think the breaks are so critical Mm -hmm. in your day. And that's the thing that I feel like is a hard, because we'll see anywhere from eight to 12 patients a day. Wow. um, Which is a lot. That's a lot. And we see either, you know, they could be 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. And um, we kind of call it like the ER of functional medicine. Wow. because that's still, you know, in primary care, they see 40 patients a day. So a lot of people that have moved from like a conventional primary care Mm -hmm. office and they come to our office, they're like, I'm only seeing eight patients a day. Like it's mind blowing, but, and we're not therapists, but we Mm -hmm. almost function as therapists so much. So I think that's where it's so hard. And we're like, Hey, you get unlimited PTO. Like you need to take time and mental health stays and, you know, So, but it's hard when you're with patient care Mm -hmm. and do you work remote? Like, are you virtual? It's complicated, but yes. Yes. So I'm going to say like probably 90% virtual. That way I'm in my comfy clothes. I can have my little walking pad next to me. It's very exciting. But then when the weather's warmer, I do outdoor walk and talk sessions. I live in Cummings. So up around there, we go to a local park, get some fresh air movement. And it tends to help the people that are a little nervous about therapy, not be so focused of I'm having someone just sit and stare at me for an hour. Yes. That we're sitting and talking and it feels almost uh, like friend adjacent, if you will, that you're just going for a walk with somebody and them listening to you. I love that. And we know when you walk, the brain communicates mm-hmm. more effectively from the right and left hemisphere. Exactly. So you can probably get into, you know, deeper thought processes and creativity mm-hmm. and strategy when you add movement to Absolutely. conversations. So I love that you do that. Yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah. And I think that's such a perk when you don't have overhead. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's like one of the things that's such a challenge for us is because of overhead right? and, you know, patients to see, because I'm always interested in this because I know a lot of uh, functional medicine providers are also HSPs. Mm. And so like, how do we structure? Like we try to do four day work weeks and things like that. Wonderful. But it's so hard because we can't see four patients a day and pay mm-hmm. our bills. Right. It's you not know? the same. Sure. So, but I wonder, like, I always am interested in the things like, you know, the exercise in the morning and the deep breathing mm-hmm. and, you know, keeping our blood sugar balance, exactly. making sure we're eating regularly, having office flows in our schedule. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's hard with healthcare. So I'm so happy mm-hmm. that you figured out a way 
to find that balance. No, it definitely worked well for me. And um, I think that just helps because I'm in a a two income household. That's Mm -hmm. been very helpful. Yes. People that are in single income households, that could be a very different story. And that might, might be the eight people a day kind of thing. It just depends. But if you are one of those people that is the breadwinner that does have that, that workload and pressure on you, and you're an HSP, please make sure you're still taking breaks, that you're still, like you were talking about, of being able to eat in a somewhat balanced, nutritious way, drinking a lot of water. If you need to take a five-minute decompress moment outside of your house before you go back into work mode or home mode or whatever it might be, please do so. Take care of yourself. And that five minutes can go so far, Mm -hmm. like that deep breathing. Yeah. And I think too, there's probably certain jobs and positions that are mm-hmm. better for certain personality traits. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that it's we shouldn't ever compare or try to put ourselves in boxes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's probably hard. Like I know some people that are like, I went to school to become this. Right. And this is not the right job for me. And that's mm-hmm. like a hard pill to swallow. Oh, it is. Yeah, they have to grieve it. But it's also like you get to learn so much through that experience and mm-hmm. The great thing about life, uh, when I drive into our Atlanta office, there's a car dealership and Mm. they have a sign outside that they change different quotes like all the time. (laughs) It's like my morning motivation when I go to Atlanta. It is. And this week's one was, you know, if you don't like the path you're walking on, start a new path. Like how just simple is that? And right. it's coming from a car dealership. They, they're the most like inspirational car dealership. That's wonderful. Shout I, out to them. <laughs> I actually found out it's like a, they gave me a little sign mm. and it said the best gifts come in the tiniest packages. And that was the day I found out I was pregnant. <gasps> Isn't that like, oh. so I just like love, I don't even know this car dealership, but I should go like pop in and say hello. Yeah, because, be like, I mentioned you on the podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I go by it all the time. But I just like, I love how simple that statement is like, we can all change our path. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's really empowering. Like whether it is getting resources, like meeting with Rachel and talking through HSPs and unique strategies for you, or whether it's, I chose the wrong career for me mm-hmm. and that's hard, but I can change. Absolutely. And, or, you know, whatever it may be, I think that that is an exciting thing about life in general is we mm-hmm. have the power to go a different direction. Absolutely. It is fun. And to me, that's part of the acceptance piece, right? So you may be accepting that you're an HSP, things you didn't know about yourself. And then now you're starting to spiral and be like, oh, my family did that. And they they weren't very accepting of me and said, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, all those things, just knowing that, yes, that's a part of you, but it doesn't mean that it defines you. So accepting the HSP, accepting that you have perfectionism, whatever it might be, is just accepting those things, knowing that they're there and slowly making those changes like you talked about. Absolutely. And are you down at the root? Like if you're an HSP, will you always be an HSP and you're finding strategies Mm -hmm. to optimize life? Or do people like shift out of this and Mm. like, how do you, how is the right terminology of, because I'm always like, sure, I don't love identities because I'm always like, don't put yourself in that box, right? Right. right. Um, like we have all aspects of us. That's why I love the Enneagram. I've talked about that yes, on this podcast like a mm-hmm. hundred times because it's like you have all <laughs> nine in you, right? Yes. So how is it like, what's the right terminology with an HSP? It's like you are an HSP, mm-hmm. but it doesn't define you and you can find ways to optimize life. Spot on. Okay. Spot on. And so uh, it, it's definitely more of a, that my understanding, don't quote me, but my understanding is that it's, it's a lifetime situation because it's a personality trait. 
But like you said, that you can optimize your life, make changes, compromises, uh, whatever it might be to make sure that you're able to optimize your life to to get through. And if you need to hopefully not have to change whole careers, but if that's where you are, uh, then that's something that could be helpful. I know that there's a book called The Empath Survival Guide. Okay. Uh, that's wonderful. I'll, I'll send a link for that as well. So for all my healthcare providers, that's probably a huge one. Yeah. And so the whole Empath Survival Guide, there's even a whole chapter of like what jobs might be helpful and not helpful for you. Yes. So I will, <laughs> I'll make sure I send that as well. Please do. Yes. Any book recommendations? Our audience loves like taking this information Great. and going down exactly like what you did when you mm-hmm. learned about HSPs in 2020. And then, yep. you know, they love to learn more about themselves too, which is really cool. Oh, and yeah. our whole thing is about little by little, a little becomes a lot. Great. And that, you know, sometimes it is just these small changes, the mm-hmm. recognizing this, like, where are you in your window of tolerance? Wonderful. What fills yeah. you up? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that is a fascinating thing to me when I meet with patients and I'm like, what, when are you the happiest? Mm-hmm. Do you know how many people can't answer me? Oh, that breaks my heart. They're like, huh, when am I the happiest? I haven't really thought about it. Because they're so busy all the time. They don't think about it. They don't. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that would be a first starting step. Yes. Like that would be a good place. Like, Let's just figure like, that out. Yeah. Because I always look at this life we live. It's this life, mm-hmm. this one life. Mm-hmm. And um, happiness to me is such a key pillar of our wellness. Oh, absolutely. And that goes with the mindset and the nervous system and the being in the right place and, you know, all of those things. But we've written notes for some of our patients mm. to be able to work from home because nice. we see a lot and, and we look at it from a sensory processing, which mm-hmm. I feel like there's just such an overlap with yeah. a lot of sensory processing disorder patients. And we're happy to write notes because the experience for them of mm-hmm. being in an office and their experience of being at home, being able so to do the different. things, right? They can dim their lights. Right. They can like take away sound. They don't have the stress of driving mm-hmm. every morning and every afternoon. Right. So I was talking to one of my patients and she was like, Kristen, I can't even go to the grocery store after a work week oh. because the lights, it's the choices, much. the sound, right? like it's just I get that. too much. And so I was like, well, what if we could work from home more and take mm-hmm. away 50% of our stressors? Yes. Then we add that ability to go to the grocery store. Absolutely. And it's really cool. I to love have that. that. It's really cool to have that ability. Is there any kind of last minute? You mm-hmm. mentioned the books, which are awesome, and the mm-hmm. questionnaire, which sure. I'm going to put in the show notes. Right. And you know the awareness around this, and mm-hmm. kind of thinking about the window of tolerance, which I think is just a huge visual. Mm-hmm. I'm a very visual person, and so yeah. even describing it, I'm just seeing it. Like oh, I'm good. like, I see this whiteboard, and I see this area, and like <laughs> the arrow, and where am I at? And um, <laughs> yes, I think my last question, because I am so into the Enneagram, and it mm-hmm. sounds like you're uh, familiar with it yes. too. Is there certain Enneagram numbers mm-hmm. that you see more correlated with HSPs? Because I would imagine maybe the helper and right. the peacemaker, right? Yes, the those things stick out to me. So maybe the reformer. That's the perfectionist. Yep. That would make sense. I, I can't remember all the names of the things, but I see a lot of my clients are the Enneagram one. Okay. That's reformer. Or a three. Achiever. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it's that perfectionism of let me make sure and strive and do all these things, but now I'm also completely exhausted and overwhelmed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love. And we do, and I can always put in the notes to the Ready Institute. It's $12 to do the Enneagram okay. test. Wonderful. And it's Super fast. It's easy. It's about 140 questions, but you just want to do your initial totally thoughts. Worth it. And it's really fun to have both if you are married or if you have a partner or mm. a parent and you can kind of see what your yeah. life could look like with the two Enneagrams together, um, which yes. is really cool. Uh, but any parting words that you mm. have, I'm obviously going to put how you can work with Rachel in mm-hmm. the show notes, but is there anything else that 
you want to leave the people that are like, this resonates with me. I think I'm an HSP. Oh, loaded question. Uh, the thing I was thinking of sharing, there's there's an acronym, and I got to pull it up for my sanity because I don't have all this memorized, but it's uh, DOES, D-O-E-S. And so the D is depth of processing. So you really feel all the things. Uh, if you hear someone's story, if you hear a trauma, if you see a violent movie, you you think about it, you feel it, you might spiral <laughs> You're, you're dealing with the depth of processing. The O is overstimulation, which is what we spend a majority of our time speaking about. The emotional responsivity or empathy, we didn't get a chance to cover that piece, but it's really not just knowing someone's sad or upset, because I think most people can pick up on that if they have somewhat normal social cues, but it's being able to actually feel it. Empathy is feeling, oh my gosh, you feel pain, you feel heartache, I feel that as well. And then there's the sensitive uh, sensitivity to subtleties, and that's the the bright lights you talked about. Like I know if I go into Costco, Costco is really stressful for me. Yes, <laughs> yes, I can imagine. It's those bright lights. It's tons of people. It's lots of decisions. Do I want this giant bag of cheese? Do I want this giant <laughs> thing of milk? Which one do I want? Which one's the better price? So it's a lot of decision making. It's typically pretty loud and crowded. So just being uh, aware of those things that might throw you off that might be extra triggers to, you know, like you t- were talking to your patient of maybe work from home that day. If you're going to go to Costco later, yeah. take your time. Maybe don't go at the busiest time. Like Saturday mornings, probably not the best time to go. Make sure that maybe it's Friday evening. No one's there. Everyone out to dinner is pr- probably a little bit quieter. I learned that personally. Friday evenings are a good time for me to go. Um, but hopefully that's helpful of having that acronym as a, an extra little uh, tool to play with. The empathy is interesting because I feel like that's one thing I identify with so well, Mm -hmm. because when I work with patients, it's a very real thing, Mm -hmm. like deep empathy. Right. Like if my patient has a sore throat and we're talking about it, I will have a sore throat. Right. And I'm like, I can feel a sore throat. Like I can physically feel. And that to me is the power of the Mm mind-body connection. It's so cool. I'm like, I did not have a sore throat before I was talking to you. And now I can like deeply feel what you feel, right? Yes. And that's why we keep uh, tissues in like every one of our rooms. Because like, I mean, there is not a session, probably a new patient that at some point we're not using the tissues. Um, Right. But I love that acronym. And I think that's super helpful. Uh, But this was wonderful. I really appreciate you being on here. And this is our first time talking about HSPs. So we're going to, I'm sure, get into this and many other episodes in Mm -hmm. different areas. Um, In this season, we have some people coming on and we're going to be talking about eating disorder and body positivity and, um, you know, communication that's actually very healthy versus unhealthy. So we're going to be Mm -hmm. getting into more of some uh, mental health topics along with um, inflammation and nervous system. Wow. Kyle's going to be on here. So everybody tune in. This season's going to be so good. And I really appreciate you being on it. Sure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember, little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.